I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Chen, and joining me is Michael Amato. How's it going, bud? Good, Jason. How are you? We finally got some real hockey games going on from Australia, well, even in the middle of the night. But hey, I'll I, take <laughs> Technically, they're not real because they're exhibition games, but I get your point. It's, it's exciting nonetheless. Yes. Uh, it's the third episode of our podcast. Uh, in this podcast, we're previewing the Metro Division, um, starting uh, with the teams in alphabetical order. Um, If you missed the last two weeks, we previewed the Pacific and the Central Divisions. So subscribe and like wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on the next one. You ready to go? Let's do it. Okay. Carolina Hurricanes. Let's start with them. Um, Top of everyone's mind. Three goalies, Antiranta, Frederick Anderson, and Pyotr Kochekov. How does this shake out? Yeah, it's probably the biggest question I've been getting asked about like all summer with these guys. There's three goalies, which is never, never great for fantasy. I think they could all potentially have value during the season. But I really think Kochekov is going to get a lot of playing time this year one way or another. We know that Anderson and Ranta can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, you know, and I was, I was trying to look at contracts too. Like he's, he has more yeah. term than Anderson. He's making more money than Ranta. I feel like he just has to be in Carolina's plans. And I think another important thing to point out here is the Canes don't have an AHL affiliate this year. Yes. So if Kachekov's not playing with them, where is he going to play exactly? I'm sure they have some kind of plan for that, but I think it would probably be best if he was getting reps. We saw last year that he's, you know, he's pretty capable. So I have Anderson as probably the guy you'd want to draft first, just because if he stays healthy, he's, he's going to get a lot of playing time there. But I have a he's never healthy. That that's the thing, right? But I have a feeling at some point, Ranta's either going to get waived or traded, and Kachekov's going to be up there full time. I think they're going to go with three goalies the entire season. Um, wow! I think it's like we kind of saw it at the beginning of last year um, when they really rotated three guys. And I think the the thing with Carolina is, and with a lot of teams is, is this becoming part of a bigger trend? Um, we're seeing tandems become a thing. Are three goalie rotations another thing that's coming? I think it's going to be really interested to see what the Canes do and how they handle this. Like they've always been really ahead of the curve in terms of analytics. So maybe there's something in their computers that says, you know what, running three goalies and carrying three at once is not such a bad idea. If you look at some of the advanced stats, uh, Antiranta was actually better than Anderson. Kochekov, I think, um, had a bit of a setback last year. I think he was better the year before. Um, but I feel like this is like 
the ultimate nightmare for fantasy owners. It is. Because you can't just roster two now. You have to roster three. And then you have to keep checking every day to see who's starting and who's not. And not only that, as you mentioned, the injury status. None of these three guys played more than 33 games last season. Um, what's interesting to me is the Yahoo ADPs. And I know ADPs are kind of weird, but Frederick Anderson at the top at 79.4 ADP. That makes sense to me because he's the incumbent. But Kochekov, who to me is the number three on that depth chart right now, is getting taken 50 spots higher than anti-Ranta. So I feel like Ranta's getting overlooked here. I think he was the best goalie for them last season. And I wonder, I think he's, might have a chance of getting the most starts this year. I don't think they're going to trade all three of them. I, I think they should just, as bad as that sounds, <laughs> considering what happened to the Wild last year, I think they're going to just rotate three and see where it goes. I have no idea what they're going to do the playoffs, but I, I mean, that's I, the fear, I, right? I could see them going with three. I, I can't see, I disagree with, with Ranta getting the most starts. Like I have Ranta... Mm. If Ranta plays more than 25 to 30 games this year, I, I will be shocked. Um, and I like think if I think, healthy, right? Yeah, if healthy, which is, I mean, like he's never healthy. Um, I guess, <laughs> I guess Anderson is, is rarely healthy either, but yeah, I just think, and his contract, I think Ranta's contract is easily movable, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is true. We, we could see a trend like Vegas sort of did it last year where they utilized like three or four goalies yeah. just at a sort of necessity. So I could see Carolina doing something similar, but I almost feel like as the season goes on, you're going to get injuries. You're going to get into mm-hmm. cap trouble where you're going to need to free up space. And it, and it's easier said than done to carry three guys like that in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, just, just with the cap, the way it is. So I, I can see the logic of having Kachekov 50 spots higher than Ranta, because I just think out of all these goalies, he might be third on the depth chart, but if you were betting on one of them to play the most, I almost feel like it's Kachekov because to me, he's going to probably stay healthy and he's just going to, and when one of the other two guys goes down, he's just going to jump in. And if they have to move off of Ranta, he's going to just get more playing time. And it makes sense, right? Like you could, it's interesting. Interesting experiment would be to, could you roll with three of them on your fantasy team? Like three goalies from one team. It's possible. Like they're the most goalie friendly team in the league. I think are the, well, well, here's the problem. The Carolina hurricanes goalies, they don't face a lot of shots. So if you get scored on two or three times, it's going to kill your save percentage. Fair. But if you have all three of them, I think it's going to even out for you. Like, yeah. Assuming you start the right one every night. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're going to get a ton of wins. Their numbers are going to be solid overall. Yeah. You get the, I know what you mean. You get those nights where like Kachekov last year gave up two goals on 19 shots and it was ugly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's such a tough conundrum, but it's good in a sense. If you're, if you're going with zero G, you're probably going to have a rant or a Kachekov available pretty late. Mm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of crowded positions, uh, the Canes power play. Interesting. Tony D'Angelo and Brent Burns, both on the same unit. Um, what does that do to their fantasy values? Uh, I think I'm still going Burns yeah. ahead of D'Angelo here. He just has a, a longer track record. Had a good year last year, quarterbacking that power play. It might eat into a little bit of his minutes. Obviously, Burns is, is getting up there in age, but I don't think I'm overly concerned with that. If I'm looking at draft burns, maybe it knocks him down like a round or two, but it's probably it. Tony D'Angelo was not a guy I had on my list, but if he's playing power play with Brett Burns in the top unit, 
then he definitely becomes a consideration in the late rounds. He's kind of like a Barry type player where he's going to get the power play points, but probably not a whole lot else. And if he's, if he loses that power play job, you can freely dump him on the waiver wire. Yeah. I think it's just like, I think it's something some teams experiment with the two defensemen on the power play, but ultimately I think it might, we'll get to that too. Yeah. I I think ultimately it'll go back to four forwards. There's only some teams that can really make that work. Florida actually did it pretty well last year. Yeah. But I mean like Montour is kind of like a forward if you think about it, right? Yeah. So, so we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh this one's just kind of uh an intriguing question for me is Jasperi Kotkaniemi. So they signed this guy obviously to be their number two center going forward behind Aho. Um he had a bit of a breakout season last year. Is he worth drafting? I don't think so. I d- I didn't even have him on my top 250. Hmm. He just missed the cut. Um I know he had a decent season last year. I just don't look at him as a huge offensive threat. Um he doesn't anymore get that many minutes no and carolina i think the the issue with carolina in general is they spread the minutes out so much that it just kind of limits players uh, on sort of their ceiling and what they can do and i think with kotkin yemi you know he's, he's kind of turning into he's really bought into that system and he, he's i think he's a decent defensive player now but i don't view him as as a fantasy asset fair enough Columbus Blue Jackets. My, what a team to talk about right before the season. There's just like plenty of drama all the time with this team. Yeah, a lot going on. A lot of changes here in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the top question everyone's thinking about is, okay, so you have a lot of good wingers. You have Goudreau and Patrick Laine. Who's going to be the center between them? Is it going to be Boone Jenner, the incumbent, or is it going to be Adam Fantilli? I think it's Jenner. Uh if he's healthy, which is mm-hmm. a big if, I think you can always count on Jenner to be taking up an IR spot for you for 15 to 20 <laughs> games every year, just because of his style of play. Yeah. So I think if you are drafting Fantelli, that's something to consider. He might get, you know, a month or so up with that top line, which mm-hmm. could be really beneficial for him. Maybe more if it, if things go really well. So there is upside there with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would definitely look at him probably starting as the 2C with a chance to to get some minutes up on the top line. Yeah, it was really interesting to look at the Jackets lines. Uh, they had a big training camp roster. Um, Goudreau, Jenner, Armashenko. Marshenko, winner of the Cy Young last year. Tons yeah. of goals and nothing else. Uh, Jack Roslovic uh, is an interesting one. I personally am not a huge fan of him. I think he's not quite uh, there as a number two center. So I like Fantilli there. But Fantilli's got... Uh, Texier and Chinnikov and maybe some other wingers rotating in and out. We'll see. Um, just doesn't look like Fantilli is going to be able to play with Goudreau or, or Line off the bat, but that could change later in the uh, season. Yeah, my my exciting dream for this year is to have a line of Marchenko, Johnson, and Fantilli. And now that Babcock's gone, maybe it's <laughs> more of a realistic option because I don't. I think. Babcock being out of there is going to help a lot of those young players on the, I think they're yeah. going to get more opportunities than they would yeah. uh, have if he'd, he'd been around. So I'm interested to see how they perform. I think they're going to get a lot of opportunities to, to make a big jump this year. And Marchenko scored a lot of goals, like you said. So I wonder if, you know, playing with somebody like Fantilli um, could really spark him again. Let's not forget that Pascal Vincent comes really highly regarded uh, coach of the year in the Q, coach of the year in the A. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, it feels like one of those things where maybe it's one of those galvanizing things where the team really comes together. Yep. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. 
Uh, one of the things that Blue Jackets did this uh, over the summer was revamp their blue line. So they traded for Provorov, got Damon Severson. Uh, Zach Wierenski is back. Um, considering how much more talent there is on that defense, how do you value Elvis Merzliskins? Do you find he's a good goalie to draft? Is he draftable? Uh, I don't think I'd be drafting him. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think here's the here's what I'll say. He had a good year a couple of years ago uh, when the Jackets were not very good. His numbers were pretty respectable. Mm-hmm. Last year, uh, not so much. And yeah. it was a real tough go for him. So yeah. I think I'd use him as more of a streaming option. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll see how it goes. I, I, I'm not drafting him right away, but I'd keep an eye on him early in the season if the Blue Jackets do get a lot better. Zero G option, though? He would be. He'd be someone to take a chance on. Again, you're betting that... Um, you know, you're betting that the Blue Jackets are going to be a lot better, which they could um, if some of those young players take a step. And, and yeah, I think, you know, you'd, you'd have to hopefully get some more wins out of them. Uh, I mentioned him before. Zach Wierenski missed a ton of time last season. Um, he's going at 158.2 ADP. Um, I think he's a very good all-round defenseman. You look at the talent in that lineup, it's there. Um, what do you think of his fantasy value right now? I like Ruwenski as a as a bit of a not a gamble, but there's always those players that miss almost a full season that you kind of forget mm. about in drafts, and they just kind of get yeah. overlooked. That have a lot of value. I think Connor Brown is a, a similar one uh, we talked about a little bit in an earlier episode, uh, similar uh, like that. So, yeah, I, I think he's a guy that scored 20 goals before on defense. You know, that's that's not nothing. Obviously, he could bring a lot of value there, um, and especially if you get him a little bit later. Agreed. Um, New Jersey Devils, this is an exciting, exciting team. Um, right off the bat, uh, the goaltending to me is their most concerning part of the roster. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about Akira Schmid. Uh, zero G strategy. Are you taking him or no? Yeah, he's maybe the number one zero G strategy uh, option mm. for me this year. He's right at the top. Obviously, he stole the job for a bit in the playoffs last season. So. Mm-hmm. That already bodes well for him. It shows the Devils have a lot of confidence in him. Mm-hmm. And Vanacek kind of faded down the stretch. Oh, he, I think faded is like an understatement. <laughs> he blew yeah, up. I'm trying, I'm trying to be more kind uh, this week <laughs> than last week. But yeah, he he struggled. So I think Schmid has a real opportunity to take that job. And I kind of think even if he doesn't take the job, maybe the starts are closer to 50-50 this year. And he's going to yeah. provide a lot of value because the Devils, you got to think, are another 110-point team maybe. So. Yeah, I think there's considerable risk with Vitek Manichek, Um, more so than Samsonov, and they used to sort of run a battery together with the Caps. Um, the defense in front of him is pretty good, and the big new addition this year, at least for the full season, is Luke Hughes. Now, they've got Dougie Hamilton, they've got Jonas Siegenthaler, who I think is super underrated, and they got John Marino, who I also think is quite underrated. But in terms of fantasy value, how do you value Luke Hughes, who may not get power play uh, one, and who knows what kind of peripheral stats he's going to put up? Like, how do you draft him? How do you take him? I have him as one of those guys you take a late chance on, maybe a Mm -hmm. late round pick. Um, Yeah, he's not going to play power play one unless Hamilton gets hurt or something. But I think he's possible. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's going to get power play two though. So. There's upside there. And the Devils have a lot of talent, offensive yeah, talent. Sure. They're going to be probably one of the highest scoring teams in the league again. So um, I know Hughes has only played a few games, but 
he has, I want to say he has like four points in five games. He's shown that he can have some offensive touch already. So I, I think it's, you know, if you're using one of your late picks as a gamble on a young player, uh, Hughes is probably not a bad one. Yeah, two points in two games in the regular season last season. So he's going to score 82 this year. Yeah, on pace. Yeah, I think he had a couple points in the playoffs too. So yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. think it's I think it's something. I mean, obviously, it's a tiny, tiny sample mm-hmm. size, but he's obviously a high pick. Um, so there, there's obviously something to be encouraged about there. We should never read too much into preseason lines, but one thing that caught my eye was Alexander Holtz. So this guy was a sniper, um, one of the Devils' top prospects. Um, he's skating with Nico Heischer and Timo Meyer on the second line. Um, is he a deep sleeper or should we just ignore him until he actually sticks? Yeah, I'm probably going to ignore him for now. Um, in one year leagues, I, I think I kind of have a feeling Tyler Toffoli is going to be up in that top six. Um, yeah, for sure. O- over Holtz. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes with Holtz, but again, not, you know, not a lot to base using a, a any kind of a significant draft pick on him this year. Again, if you're, you know, thinking of ch- taking a young player with one of your last picks, hoping to hit hit on something, he's a guy you could consider. But I think I just need to see more from him first. Yeah, I think the safer pick for a young player on the Devils is Dawson Mercer. Oh, definitely. I really, yeah, I really like Dawson Mercer. I think he's going to have a great season. Uh, speaking of Tyler Toffoli, he's been skating with Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt. So, I mean, that's 30, 40 goals right there for you. Easy. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, I, I like, you know, I like to yeah, on your team. No, I, I just, oh, okay. uh, I, I like to Foley a lot. He had a career year last year. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know, 40 goals. I'm, I don't know if I'm willing to go that high yet, but that's a great spot for him. That is yeah. Spot. Can't go wrong with an Italian name in Jersey. No. <laughs> New York Islanders. Uh, this is, for lack of a better word, a bit of a boring team to me in fantasy, as they always have been. Um, they made a decision to kind of go a bit more on offense over the past few years under Lane Lambert. I just don't see how they're going to squeeze offense out of this roster. Um, I think the big thing for me is Bo Horvat and Matt Barzell playing together. Now, playing together for a full season, does it make their offense better? Does it push Bo Horvat's or Matthew Barzell's fantasy value even higher than it was before? What do you think? Uh, yes to making their offense better as a team, but no to Horvat's fantasy value. I don't, I don't think he, I don't think Horvat ever comes close to what he did under Boudreaux with the Canucks. Uh, like that was uh, just yeah. lightning in a bottle. Boudreaux's a great coach for fantasy hockey. Maybe not so much in the win column, but, <laughs> but well, for fantasy, I, I think he's excellent. Yeah. So Bo Horvat made a living on that bumper role in the Vancouver power play. Yeah. And I think he made a living because one, he's he's pretty good at um, finding room in front of the net. But when you look at the Vancouver power play, so many teams had to pay respect to either JT Miller or Elias Pedersen's shot. Yeah. Now, if you look at the Islanders, they don't have a guy who shoots like Pedersen. I think for them, it might be easier to lock down Bo Horvat in front of the net. And maybe that has an impact on him. I think he's going to be better than the seven goals in 30 games he scored for the Islanders. But I'm in the same boat. I don't think he touches 38 goals this year. Like 30, I think, would be a really good result. Yeah, I, I think if you get 30 goals and 60-ish, 60-plus points from him, you're you're pretty happy. I know mm-hmm. he didn't play, like most of the time that he played with the Isles last year was without Barzell. Barzell was mm-hmm. hurt, so 
you know, we need to see that a little bit more, but I, I just don't think the Isles are, they just don't score enough. Like last year, I don't know what their streak was. I remember it was like 11 or 12 games in a row without scoring more than two goals. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really rough. You know, somehow Brock Nelson's the only one that seems to be kind of unaffected by that, but um, they just don't score enough for me to really, you know, take a lot of guys there like on the fringes or, or deeper in deeper in your drafts. I just, I just don't trust it. Yeah, when Brock Nelson's your top goal scorer, mm, there's a bit of a problem there. Yeah, so it's just like, it feels like Barry Trotz left and they just, nothing changed really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're still going to count on Ilya Sorokin to win games, right? And oh, yeah, me- like he's, and maybe that's something we should just quickly touch on. Like, where where do you have Sorokin this year? Because I, I have him at number two. I've got him ahead of, ahead of Vasilevsky, but just behind. Just oh, okay. I think, I think he's really good. Okay, so I'm in the midst of adjusting my rankings, but I had Sorokin as my top goalie. Okay, um, that's fair. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, so based on save, save percentage, um, as far as quality starts go, he's probably the best must-start goalie every night, regardless yeah. of opponent. Yeah. I don't know if the wins are going to come. I mean, he's going to get that's, 30 easy, but that's the big yeah, thing, right? That's what downgraded him just below Shesterkin for me, was I think Shesterkin's going to probably get half a dozen or so more wins. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I think if they if the two teams were comparable, I would probably have Sorokin ahead of Shesterkin. Yeah, well, that's a great, nice segue because we're going to talk about the Rangers next. Um, speaking of Shesterkin, um, another reason I think he's going to have so many wins this year is because I don't really trust John Quick as the backup. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think he was very good last year. And, and granted, he had that little hot run uh, at the beginning with Vegas. Um, but I think that was him, you know, being really motivated after being traded from the Kings, but it's tough for me to see the Rangers rely on him for like even 20 games this season. Yeah, no, John quick is a true backup. Now he's not, uh, he's probably 20 to 25 starts. If all goes well, I mean, Mm -hmm. certainly can only play so much, right? Like he's, you know, he's probably going to get 65 games around there if he's healthy. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have to start around 20 or so I would say quick, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's a true, he's a true backup. Um, see how it goes. Maybe you spot start him on a, on a Sunday. If you need, you need to save your goalie categories and the Rangers have <laughs> yeah. a good matchup or something, but yeah, I'm staying uh, far away from John quick and drafts. So the Rangers didn't have to make a lot of changes this year. The big one is obviously behind the bench, Peter Laviolette. Now he has a reputation for leaning on his veterans a lot. Um, Quinn before him had a reputation for not playing uh, his rookies. And the two that I'm talking about in particular are Capocacco and Lexi Lafreniere. Um, It's about time these guys broke out, right? Like at least one of them has to. Do you have a preference? What do you think? I'm leaning slightly towards Lafreniere. I just think he's shown moderate improvement each year. Um, And I think what's going for both of those guys this year is that right wing depth Mm -hmm. is pretty thin on the Rangers. I think there's, you know, Blake Wheeler there now, which will probably get one of the top six spots, but the other one's got to go to one of those two guys. Um, And, you know, if, if we, I I do like Wheeler there, but if for some reason it doesn't work out with him, then maybe they both have an opportunity to get up in the top six, but I would just lean slightly more to to Lafreniere, but I think it's pretty close. I, I do think it could be a good year for either of them if they're playing on maybe with Kreider and uh, Zibanejad, but we'll see. 
Yeah, the, I think the big thing is power play time, right? Like yeah. these two guys don't get it. Um, I lean Lafreniere in banger leagues. He's kind of sneakily yep. become really good value because he had 120 something hits last season. And if you can score 20 goals and get that number of hits, that makes you pretty like good depth in in banger leagues. Um, personally, though, I lean Capocacco. Like watching the Rangers play, I just like his game more. I think he was super snake bit last season. Um, if you look at advanced stats, the advanced stats favor Capocacco, and he's lined up next to Zibanejad and Kreider. Um, as far as the uh, training camp lines go, Lafreniere has moved to the right wing. So if you have left wing, right wing eligibility, that's going to be nice. Um, but he's playing third line now with Philip Hedl and Barclay Goudreau. Um, does that change your opinion or, or are you just not too concerned about the preseason lines? I don't get too wrapped up in the preseason lines. I think I really don't, I really don't get, you know, that wrapped up in general uh, about Mm. lines, even like, unless we've seen it for a long period of time, especially, um, you know, especially as the season kind of gets underway, those things can change quickly. So, and I, I I don't make too many gut decisions in fantasy hockey, (laughs) but one, one thing I did tweet out like a couple of months ago is I think, Lafreniere can get close to 60 points this year. I don't know why. Just like, oh, gut, wow. Just like gut feeling. He's kind of made that almost like eight to 10 point improvement every year for three years. And I think if he's going to get the first crack at that, at that top six right wing spot, I think he's got a, a chance at it. If, if between these two guys, you're asking me who breaks 60 points first, I would have picked Kako. Yeah. So we'll have a nice side bet on this. We, we could, we could both be on, uh, Cold, cold takes exposed. Here <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, the other player I want to mention is Philip Hedl. Um, third line center, unfortunately, stuck behind Mika Zibanejad and Vincent Trocek. I thought Hedl had a great season last year considering the minutes he, he played or didn't play, if you want to say that. Um, 45 points in 74 games, 22 goals, 23 assists, under 15 minutes per game. Um, his average ADP is nil so he's not getting drafted in most <laughs> leagues i find that kind of surprising do you find that surprising at all yes and no I, I guess if obviously those adps are counting leagues that aren't that deep too so i think yeah. if you look at it you know a guy that's getting between 45 to 50 points is probably on the cusp of being drafted slash waiver wire mm-hmm. and i think if you look at Cheadle, there's probably not as much upside as others um players that maybe are in that category just because like you said he's going to be clearly behind you know trocek and zibanejad on the depth chart Mm -hmm. probably not going to get a ton of power play time so i just think it's tough you know if you're in a deep league maybe he's maybe he's rosterable but i also think he could be a good streaming option Mm -hmm. i think there could be a chance where if the rangers are playing a matchup game trocek is the matchup guy freeing up the Heedle to be the second offensive option behind Zibanejad. So I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal each week. You'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, speaking of ADP, 
Um, you mentioned that players who get injured all of uh, last year kind of get overlooked. John Couturier. I think you could get this guy so late in the rounds for such great value. What do you think? You can. It, w- it would be great value. I just don't know how much um, I'd be able to rely on him or count on him at this point, um, mm-hmm. just given injuries. The Flyers seem to like to have a lot of guys like that, whether it's him, Ryan Ellis, just guys that... Ryan Ellis just, is done. Yeah, I know. There's so much... You feel like there's guys that are were in such good spots and it just kind of... Injuries have really derailed, derailed them the last few years. So... I don't know. You could get him late, I think, for sure. Um, but I think he's just more of a gamble with how much time he's missed. Hopefully he comes back and he's healthy. But, yeah, if you want to take a, a flyer on him, no no pun intended, um, you could <laughs> late late in your drafts. I think Couturier was probably ready to come back at late last season, but I think maybe they held him off and, and waited for this season just so he could get a full camp, uh, full se- off-season of recovery, um, it's interesting how the lines have shaken out with uh, Konechny and Tippett with Couturier on the top line, uh, Farabee and Atkinson, another player that is potentially good value. Um, yeah, another guy leagues. that missed a huge chunk of time, Atkinson, right? Like, yeah, so yeah. On the Flyers. Yeah, Farabee and Atkinson between Frost, uh, or with Frost, I should say, uh, Lofton and Forster, Tyson Forster with Noah Cates. Um, I actually kind of like the Flyers' depth. Um, I'm crazy. Maybe it's because my favorite color is orange. I don't know. <laughs> I think this team is sneaky good. I think it'll be they'll be better than most people think. I don't necessarily think they're a lottery team. Am I crazy? I I don't necessarily think they're going to be good, but I agree with you that they have a lot of kind of fun, relevant fantasy players. Like for a yeah, team yeah, yeah. that may not be that great, like all these guys that we've talked about here could be really good. Like Owen Tippett was excellent. Yes, he was. I remember I grabbed Tippett in my league one week, I think it was either January or February when the flyers solely because the flyers had a five game week. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'm just going to use him for one week and and drop him. I could not drop that guy. He was unbelievable. He, he was filling the blocks category, the shots category, the goals category. So I'm excited to see what he can do again this year. Connect is a good multi-cat option. They have a just frost. I think in another year uh, forward yeah. could be, could be really, really good. Take a big yeah. jump. So, yeah, they've got a lot of fun players, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be hard to to pick between all of them. But certainly if you're looking for shot volume, it's Owen Tippett by a mile. If yeah. you're looking for points, it's Morgan Frost. Uh, Konechny, I don't think we're going to see him average 20 minutes a game. I think he was just overused um, just because Tortorella loves him, loves the way he plays, and there was no one else to play, honestly. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the Flyers, uh, another player of intrigue, deep sleeper, Cam York, maybe? Power play one quarterback, maybe? Ooh, that was, that's a very deep, deep sleeper. That's a, like a mm. REM, REM sleeper, in my <laughs> in my opinion. I don't know. I'm not, like, I think we have to see more of him for me to, okay. he could be somebody you keep an eye on on waivers, but I, I kind of looked at his career, whether it was in college or junior, not a huge offensive guy and he's still learning the mm-hmm. nhl game so i'm not necessarily sold on him yet but yeah he would be a deep sleeper not somebody i would draft but yeah if he is quarterbacking power play one and the flyers are better than expected maybe somebody keep an eye on yeah not a huge point producer but definitely known for his uh technical skill and i do think if his trust is there um he should be ahead of ristolainen and sandheim and in, in running the power play um but we'll see uh, speaking of power plays, Pittsburgh Penguins, they're uh, state rivals. So 
Interesting that Chris Letang and Eric Carlson are sharing PP1 duties for now. Now, two questions about this. One, is this related to Jake Gensel's absence? So what happens when Gensel comes back? And two, in Jake Gensel's absence, who benefits the most? So I think it probably is because Jake Gensel's injured that they're using both. I think when Gensel's back, you'd you'd have to think Letang goes to power play too, um, just given that they brought in Carlson, what they gave mm-hmm. up for him. He had such a great year last year. Um, I think they'd obviously want to try him there. But second question, I really like Riley Smith there stepping yeah, up me too. Uh, with Gensel out. He can score. Um, he feels like one of those guys that Crosby can just kind of mold and um, <laughs> kind of prop him up and, and yeah. give him a, a lot of goals, a lot of points. Even if you only use him for the first month, maybe when Gensel gets back, he drops on the lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, you just drop them at that point. Um, but you could be a good good guy to have early in the season. Yeah. The good thing about Riley Smith is he's not power play dependent. Yeah. So when Gensel comes back and he plays with Crosby, at least he'll get Gino. Yeah. Which is just a, a great consolation prize. Um, now, Eric Carlson, I think, has been pegged as one of the players who will likely, very likely, regress this season. Um, how do you much do you think he'll regress and, and where do you have him ranked in your defenseman? So I, I think he almost has to regress, not necessarily, you know, by anything he's going to do just more circumstance. Like it's so hard to get a hundred points again as a defenseman. Um, I think a couple things I would watch for is when a, when a really good player goes from a bad team to a good team, a lot of times we think that's going to help them. And in certain ways it does, but sometimes they will play less because the stronger team isn't that, you know, reliant on that player. If you look at Timo Meyer going from the Sharks to the Devils last year, I think he played two minutes less per game on average mm-hmm. when he got to New Jersey. So I think we could see a similar thing with Carlson there. Yeah. I still think if he's, and obviously with Carlson, the, the concern is always injuries, right? You yeah. know, he's, he's had a hard time staying healthy. He's approaching his mid thirties. Um, last year was kind of, unusual that he he pretty much stayed healthy so that's a little bit of a worry there but i think if he stays healthy in that situation I, i'm i still think he can get 80 80 points easily when you have 100 points there's a lot of room to regress and still be valuable <laughs> i don't think i'm taking him in the first two maybe three rounds no, maybe no, the, definitely eight. not in the first three rounds no probably not i, I think if you're getting him in the fourth that's where i'd, I'd take a chance oh, okay I guess it depends on your league settings, but fourth round even still sounds pretty early to me because I I have quite a few defensemen ranked ahead of him. So it depends on your draft flow, depends on your league settings for sure. Your roster, Uh, what you need, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, One minor note I want to mention for banger leagues is Ryan Graves. Um, He's being paired with Carlson or expected to. And if you look at the Sharks last year, uh, Jacob Menya basically had a career season skating next to Eric Carlson. So if Carlson can kind of like, you know, toss some points Ryan Graves' way, that might give him a little value. And Graves is really good in some of the peripheral categories. So if you're looking for like a late round defenseman in banger leagues that can fill every category, I'd take a shot at Ryan Graves and see what happens. Like no, no risk pick, right? Yep. I, I will admit I had Ryan Graves on my roster for about six weeks last year. He was pretty pretty effective. For, <laughs> he was. For he was. Blocks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if Eric Carlson can turn Jacob Mania into a player, I mean, God <laughs> knows what he can do for Ryan Graves, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, last team in this division, Washington Capitals, did not have a great season last year. Last season, 
Um, I'm kind of of the belief that they're just not a good team. Um, what do you think about their roster and their expectations? They kind of feel like basically a weaker version of the Penguins at this point. Like they're trying, they're trying to basically maximize, you know, Ovechkin's final few mm-hmm. years here. So they're obviously not. They're they're in that terrible spot where you don't want to be. They're probably not a playoff team, mm-hmm. but they're also too good to be a lottery team. So I think. You know, I, I think they're probably going to be fighting for a spot all year and probably just miss. Whereas mm-hmm. I think Pittsburgh is in that similar boat where they're where they know they have to maximize, you know, the last few years of Malkin, Crosby, Latang. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just more a lot more talent on Pittsburgh. I think Washington, you know, Backstrom is not what he was. Um, you can't really count on Kuznetsov year to year. You know, he's he's pretty streaky. Uh, Ovechkin's still really strong, obviously, but you know, I think they're just they don't have the depth. I think to really compete in the East, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I know you just said you don't read too much into preseason lines, but any thoughts about uh, Anthony Mantha playing with Ovi and Backstrom on the top line? Mantha, oh boy, he so. <laughs> I, I feel like this guy's had so many opportunities. It's just yeah. never clicked. Um, again, sure, if he gets that spot, there, there's upside. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I'm if I'm taking a chance on him. Obviously you know, playing with, like, to me, the, the thing is like, how good is Backstrom? So I, I know he just came back last yeah. year from the injury. Um, what type of player is he, you know, if he's really sort of a shell of his former self, is that line even that potent? Um, yeah. You know, Backstrom's I mean, obviously really strong, but Backstrom had a terrible plus minus, but I think that was yeah. more a reflection of him just still like getting up to speed and, and the capstone play. Yeah. Uh, Tom Wilson, another guy who missed a ton of time last year. Um, he's back. In banger leagues, do you think he's still like a unicorn? Do you think he's still really worth taking in the early rounds? Not that early for me anymore. Um, he, we kind of talked about Boone Jenner a little bit this way mm-hmm. earlier. Um, similar type of a player. Great talent, but unfortunately the way they play, to me they're always going to miss a lot of time, which downgrades them. Like If you get 60, 65 games out of Wilson, he was a lot more durable earlier in his career. Now mm-hmm. I think it's it gets tougher as you age playing that style, but you definitely he's definitely draftable obviously um mm-hmm. i just don't think i'd go for him too early mm-hmm. um real quick max patch already he's expected to miss the season or beginning of the season i should say uh probably returning sometime november or maybe after is he worth a stash for me is uh not many players can score at his rate at his level so i would take a chance there my philosophy is if you're going to stash someone always stash the highest and player you can find so to me it would be like him or patrick kane or whether it's montour or ekblad one of those panthers defensemen if you're going to use up a spot um somebody like that i think if he's ends up playing on the power play with ovechkin and he comes back healthy it could be could be pretty big obviously it's you know it's a long road back to achilles tears is a pretty uphill climb yeah. but it's just there's a lot of upside there in my opinion yeah. So let's remember too that Spencer Carberry ran the loose power play and he was brought into the Caps to run their power play, which was uh, worse than expected. Uh, Pacioretty, surprising, has never really been a top or a good power play producer. He scores a lot of his goals at even strength. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Now, speaking of power play, Rasmus Sandin ended last season on, on a tear, taking over for John Carlson. Expectation is that Carlson would take over. Um, I guess retake over because it was his job anyway. But at even strength, they're playing Sandine and Carlson together. 
So does Sandine recoup some fantasy value here now? Maybe a bit. I still don't really like him if he's not on that top power play unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where he really has value. Sandine's also has some sneaky multi-cat value with hits. Um, yeah. But I I don't see him being a major point producer unless he's on that top power play unit. He got some opportunities in, in Toronto and he couldn't. That was a loaded lineup. He didn't really produce much offensively. So I think he has to be quarterbacking the top power play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, as always, uh, at the end of our preview, we have a sleeper and keeper um, to pick from as befitting of the name of our podcast. Uh, why don't you go first with your sleeper and keeper for the Metro? All right. I mentioned him earlier, Tyler Toffoli coming off a career year in a loaded top six. Um, I think he might get sort of forgotten about or overlooked a bit because there's so much talent in that Devils top six. Maybe he's the fourth or, or maybe even fifth player taken or sixth player taken out of that top six. So I think you can get some good value for him. And my keeper, I'm going with Kent Johnson. Uh, I think he's going to have a lot more opportunities this year. The, the, Blue Jackets have a lot of young talents, and uh, I think it's someone I'm going to keep an eye on. Awesome. I don't know if I consider Toffoli a sleeper, but I, I see your point about maybe being overlooked on a stack double squad. Uh, Kent Johnson, interesting enough, playing uh, right wing. Um, so we'll see. I think I'm with you. I see a lot of skill. I see a lot of talent. Um, let's um, let's see what he does. Uh, for me. Um, I mentioned him before, my sleeper, Sean Couturier. Uh, not getting drafted in most leagues. I think there's a ton of value for a number one center in Philly. And my keeper, uh, we mentioned him before, is Capo Caco. Uh, obviously, we're not picking Jack Hughes or Adam Fantilli because that's just too obvious. Uh, but I do like the way Caco plays. I love the underlying analytics. And I definitely like um, the way his play has been trending. I just think he's a little snake bit. And I like the fact that he's playing higher in the depth chart than Lafreniere. So there you go. Good choices. Thank you. Uh, yours too. Great choices. <laughs> um, we got a mailbag question. Uh, this is from Blue Bay Burnouts. He asks, or she, I don't know. He says, uh, one need to cut one and not protect a keeper standard category. Noah Dobson, Martin Natchez, Tyler Pertuzzi, who to cut? Ooh, good question. Um, so I, think I think this one's pretty easy, no? It is. Uh, I'm assuming I, I'm probably keeping Dobson and Natchez. Yeah, but I will. Sure. To, to play devil's advocate, I guess it would depend. Is your team in a win now mode, your fantasy team? Um, right. If then, maybe you could consider Bertuzzi <laughs> over a Dobson because he could have a huge year with Matthews and Marner there. Um, but at the same time, you know, Bertuzzi's only on a one-year contract. Who knows where he's going to play next year, which could really decrease his value. So, you know, there is a little bit of consideration there, but I'm probably going Dobson and Natchez. Yeah, I think for me, the easy cut is Bertuzzi. Um, I think part of it, his his fantasy value, I would say a lot of it just based on where he plays. For me, no adoption is the undisputed power play one quarterback on the Islanders. Um, not many defensemen can get 200 shots on goal either, and he's one of them. So I like that. And Marty Natchez, I think, had a breakout season. He's got point-per-game potential. I don't think Tyler Bertuzzi does, even if he clicks with Matthews and Marner. Um, so for me, the one guy I would cut is definitely Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, and also, on a separate note, I had Tyler Bertuzzi in a banger league last year. 
not a great banger league guy. Like contrary to like, I guess, popular belief or contrary to like what you may think, um, not that great for hits and blocks. There are a lot of players like that, that you, you just think by the way they play that they were good for hits. You mm-hmm. know, who's another guy like that is Matthew Kachuk. He, yeah, he, yeah. He's more of a penalty minutes guy. His hits have steadily declined. He's not a yep. huge hit hit volume guy but yeah you really have to check the stats because there's guys that you watch and you think they're always in scrums and stuff so they mm-hmm. must be like hitting a lot but they just don't <laughs> they're doing their hitting after the whistle that's yeah, why they're scrums. That's right you don't yeah. get points for that unfortunately no no <laughs> I, not i think that's why in like banger leagues i think brady to is the far superior player even though matthew yeah. to probably scores like 20 more points than him every season so yeah no 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 argument there yeah So that about does it for this episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. Um, Thanks for everyone for tuning in. Uh, Thanks to Michael Spicer for the awesome intro and outro music that you're about to hear. If you'd like to connect or have any questions for our mailbag, you can find us on Twitter slash X at Jason Chen 16 and at Amato underscore Mike. Uh, If you like listening to our fantasy hot find fantasy hockey show please follow us and give us a review we'll have a new episode next monday previewing the atlantic division see you then